Shalom, brothers and sisters. I'm Brother Sid. I have Brother Corey assisting me today. We are the Commandment Keepers Church. We have a detailed lesson prepared for our brothers and sisters internationally. The title of today's lesson is Easily Forgotten. Easily Forgotten, brothers and sisters. The topic today will be about the Holy Spirit, the easily forgotten part of the Godhead. We always talk about the Messiah. We always talk about the Father. Rarely, rarely do I hear anyone teach on the Holy Spirit, brothers and sisters. So we wanted to we wanted to put together a full lesson according to the Most High that will help us get to understand the Holy Spirit. The 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 part that's easily forgotten, the part that's overlooked. Brothers and sisters, I think this information that will come out today will teach us all something new. Brothers and sisters, the little bit that we know about the Holy Spirit is often not scriptural. Okay, the foundation is not biblical, brothers and sisters. So we're going to go into a myriad of scriptures today. We encourage you to write down these precepts, brothers and sisters. Read them for yourself and pray on what you're hearing. We're going to go to Acts 17 and 21. Acts 17, verse 21. For all the Athenians and strangers which were there spent their time in nothing else, but either to tell or to hear some new thing. Brothers and sisters, take a look at this. The author teaches us that there's a segment of people whose only desire is to learn something new. Right. Even amongst our people, it tells you in the Bible <clears throat> that our people would have itching ears. Right. Looking to hear and learn everything that they can. Right. That's not a good thing, brothers and sisters. OK, we we don't go into this thing just looking to have some deep knowledge. Here it is. We're going all the way back <clears throat> to the Holy Spirit, something we all know about. Right. But the Bible is telling you, don't get caught up in just trying to learn new, deep information about Daniel and revelations. He's saying the foundation, okay? The foundation is still the most important part. Let's read that one more time, brother, because here we read of a people who pursued biblical knowledge strictly for the intellectual properties, right? Acts 17 and 21. For all the Athenians and strangers which were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell but or to do what, brother? But either to tell or to hear some new thing. To hear what? Some new thing. Now remember, Athens was greatly distinguished for the celebrity of their schools and philosophy. We know about Greece and Athens and all that, right? So this text illustrates the inability of human language to convey from one person to all others a clear comprehensible idea because it's telling you that listen people are doing what some people want to learn for this reason some people want to learn for that reason but it's clear that some people even that probably follow our church are just into it for the intellectual side of it that means no application I just want to you know know I'm deep or whatever and, and you know try to school my family or going to debates and all that brothers and sisters do not fall into that trap okay 
Don't fall into that trap. We're not learning for that reason. We're learning for application. We're learning for application, brothers and sisters. We just wanted to show you that the text teaches us that people study the word of God for different reasons. Some for application, but most is for intellect. Today we deal with application, okay? Nothing wrong with intellect. I want to be clear. Yes, we, we go into theology and all that stuff, right? But the most important part is applicating, applying what it is that you're learning. How is it applicable to me? Not just to, you know, a lot of people, our people really, they're getting head knowledge instead of heart knowledge. They got a lot of intellect in their head, but they're not applying any of it. Let's deal with that today. Brothers and sisters, we'll read that one more time, and then we'll go to 2 Corinthians. Acts 17 and 21. For all the Athenians and strangers which were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. To tell or to hear some new thing. So, brothers and sisters, we have to take it back. We're going to take it back today, right? We're going to take it back to the Godhead. We're going to take it back to what we know of, right? Let's go to 2 Corinthians Three and one. Let's go to Second Corinthians, brothers and sisters. Follow us here, because we just wanted to show you anybody who's just looking to to learn new information from an intellectual standpoint, that person is actually not following. That's not a. That's an unbeliever. Okay, that's not submission to the Most High. That's not submission to Christ's lordship. That's somebody who's a philosopher, who just loves to, to hear information that they can sound deep with at the barbershop. That's not why we study the Bible, brothers and sisters. And I want to make it clear, yes, we, we give you information to be able to debate people and different things like that. But I fear that people are only getting the information for that reason, instead of the application to become a better people. Let us show you what Paul said. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 1. Do we begin again to commend ourselves? Oh, excuse me. Let's go to 1 Corinthians, Salakian brothers and sisters. 1 Corinthians 3 and 1. 1 Corinthians 3 and 1. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. Paul establishes the fact that there are three types of believers. Brothers and sisters, how do we know these are believers? Can you read that again? Verse 1, and I, brethren. What did he call them? Brethren. See, that lets you know these are believers. Because also in the same uh, same epistles, it tells you that you call brethren those who you share a foundation in Christ with. Okay, so just the terminology of him using brethren, right, puts the emphasis of believer on it, okay? And I, brethren. Could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. So here we see that the term brethren emphasizes that they had already grasped the message of the cross, right? But let's deal with it. Let's deal with the three types of believers. Can you read that one more time? Verse one. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, spiritual, but as unto carnal, carnal. Even as unto babes, babes in Christ. Babes unto what, brother? In Christ. Now look at that. Spiritual people are trying to live every aspect of their lives in accordance with the gospel of Christ, right? Babes, born again, that means baptized, 
but they're still in diapers. You see that? Infants in Christ, they comprehend the truth, but are walking according to the flesh. And then you have what? The carnal man. The carnal man is the same thing for a babe in Christ. They're able to bear the they're, they're unable to bear the deep things of God. See? They're unable for that. So you have three different levels here. Let's talk more about it. Let's go to the second chapter of 1 Corinthians in the second verse. 1 Corinthians 2 and 2. For I determined not to know anything among you. Let's deal with the babes first. Save Christ and him crucified. What did what did Paul say he taught? For I determined not to know anything among you. Save Christ and him crucified. So he said when you're dealing with babes. Babes have come through the door of faith, but have gone no farther. He's saying the only thing I teach babes is what? Christ was crucified. That's the only thing. We don't go into any deep knowledge, any prophecy, any breakdowns. There's only what only one thing I'm teaching, and then that's Christ and him crucified. See that, brothers and sisters? Now, guess what? That's the Christian doctrine. That's all they talk about. That's the only part of Christ they teach. Right? And this is why our people that are in the Christian church still have diapers on. Because it's the only message they ever hear about Christ. It's the only message. Is that Christ died on the cross for our sins. Yes, he did. Why? What else? What else was going on? What about the politics that was going on? So Paul was showing it clearly. That when I'm dealing with babes, verse 2. Verse 2. For I determined not to know anything among you. Save Christ and him crucified. So a babe is only interested in a message that won't challenge them to change. Brothers and sisters. You see? Let's jump to verse 16. Let's deal with these three types of believers. 1 Corinthians 2 and 6. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world, that come to naught. So the spiritual man has been given by the spirit the mind of Christ. His, his thinking and therefore is comprehensive. Look at this here. He says, I speak wisdom, right? Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect. Yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. That word perfect in the Greek means complete, brothers and sisters. That's somebody who's fully matured, right? He said, I speak wisdom amongst the mature, but not the wisdom of this world. See, so this is the spiritual man. We first dealt with the babe and now we're dealing with the spiritual man. Who's left? Jump to verse 14. Who's left? First Corinthians 2 and 14. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them. Because they are spiritually discerned. Because why, brother? They are spiritually discerned. Paul uses the word natural to refer to someone still in his original sinful state. See, natural, right? Still in his Adamic nature. So these people do not have the spirit. They're living a life following their, what you would call, natural desires. Nothing more. Can you read that again, brother? Verse 14. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. Mm. For they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. So this particular brother, he thinks he's spiritual, right? But doesn't overcome the inward sins of the Spirit. 
See, so he's an intellectual believer. No application, just accumulation of knowledge. See, this is the third type of believer. So yeah, I just want to hear deep knowledge and be able to recite it and memorize it. See, this is the intellectual believer. Okay? Just a brother who, you know, want to be a, a scholar, right? He, he would rather be a scholar than a saint. That's the wrong move, brothers and sisters. That's the wrong move. There's going to be many people who study the Bible from a scholarly perspective. The difference between us is we learn the Bible on a scholarly perspective, but with the application. We can go against scholars, yes, but that's not why we're going into the Bible. The Most High told me many years ago, I didn't give you the word to debate people, okay? I gave you the word for yourself first. And then you, you go out there. But first, you need to apply it to yourself. Okay, brothers and sisters? So I, I don't walk around debating people, looking for people to debate, trying to be deep with people. I don't do that. The first thing, when I get information, I internalize it and I apply it. That's, the, that's what I do with it. And if the time come to share it, then yeah, we'll do that. But my number one concern isn't, let me learn what I can teach. See, because that happens. People only start studying to teach. So what can I, can I teach this over here to my mom? Can I teach that over here to my brother? Can I teach that over here? Like, nah, brother. Stop studying to teach. Study for yourself. Study for yourself and what you're dealing with. Not study what you can teach someone else. Be very careful, brothers and sisters. Be very, very careful with that. Because that's a slippery slope. That's a slippery slope where the only thing you study is what you can teach somebody else. Let's go to John, brothers and sisters. We're going to have Brother Corey read. We're going to the gospel. John 8 and 32. We'll have Brother Corey read 32 through 34, right? John 8 and 32. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, We be Abraham's seed, and we never we were never in bondage to any man. How saith thou ye shall be made free? Read thirty two one more time, brother. Thirty two. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now look at that. Spiritual freedom, brothers and sisters, from what? From the bondage of sin. A release from the lifestyle of habitual lawlessness. This is what this is the freedom he's talking about. How do we know? Continue. 33, they answered him, we be Abraham's seed, and we were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free. This shows that most people, our people, can only see things through the letter of the law. They can only see it with their physical eyes. They never understand the spiritual significance of the Bible. See, most people struggle with that. How do we know Christ isn't talking about actual bondage? Verse 34. 34. Christ answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committed sin is the servant of sin. See? So this form of bondage can only be resolved through truth. Right? The author teaches us that truth always precedes freedom. So these brothers in the 33rd verse are saying, Listen, we belong, we're Abraham's seed. We've never been in bondage, right? To any man. Christ isn't talking about bondage to men. See? 
You see that, brothers and sisters. So this is telling you there's a clear difference between the intellectual property and the spiritual properties. Most brothers during this time, the Pharisees, even our people, they couldn't see things spiritually. They could see physically, right? Read 32 one more time, please, brother. Verse 32. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So clearly, the, the biblical concept of freedom is it's quite different from the world's idea of freedom, brothers and sisters, right? We'll show. 33. They answered him. We be Abraham's seed, and we were never in bondage to any man. To any what? To any man. To any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? What did Christ say? And Christ answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committed sin is the servant of sin. Is the servant of what? Of sin. No, the servant of man. The servant of sin. See? So it's clear, brothers and sisters, there's a biblical concept of freedom. That Christ is showing here. That is completely different from the world's idea of freedom. Christ said if you serve sin. If you continue to sin. You are a servant of sin. And he said what? Ye shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. Right brothers and sisters? The truth shall make you free. Okay let's deal with the truth. Let's deal with the truth that's going to make us free. Let's go to John 15 and 26, right? The truth that shall make us free, right? Okay. Let's deal with that, brothers and sisters. John 15 and 26. What's that say, brother? But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth. The Spirit of what? Of truth. The Spirit of what? Of truth. The Spirit is characterized here as the one who reveals the truth. The Holy Spirit is is the spirit of truth, brothers and sisters. Verse 26, But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, she shall testify of me. Look at that. Look at this, brothers and sisters. Here, Christ is predicting the influence of the Holy Spirit, okay? People cannot know ultimate truth without the Holy Spirit revealing it to them. See, that's clear. The implication is that freedom is joined to the Holy Spirit. It's a package deal. Cannot get one without the other. See? And yes, brothers and sisters, when you look at that word, he, we're speaking for the Holy Spirit, that word is actually not there in the Greek. It actually tells you akinos. Okay, brothers and sisters? It tells you akinos. So when you look at akinos, it means that one. It doesn't mean he or she. It means it, right? Let me, let me give you the Greek number for that, brothers and sisters. Let me give you the Greek number. Look at that word, brothers and sisters. He is the Greek number 1565, right? We're going we're gonna to look at it. It's the word akinos. Akinos, brothers and sisters, which means that one. See, it means that one. So it can say he, she, it, they, them, there. See, so why did they choose to use the word he there if it actually doesn't say that? Why didn't they just put it there or that one? 
Think about this, brothers and sisters. Why in the world would they put translate that to say he? When any scholar or a person who studies on a scholarly level would go right into the Greek and pull up Greek 1563 and see if that really means he. It doesn't. See, so this is when learning on a scholarly level comes into play, right? But it's still with the application. That word he is actually not in that text at all. This is the entire reason to get a Strong's Concordance. Get a Strong's Concordance, brothers and sisters. Because when you're having trouble seeing clearly, you go back to the original text. The Old Testament is the Hebrew. The New Testament is the Greek, right? We just wanted to pull it up in the Greek for you, brothers and sisters. John 15 and 26. But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceeded from the Father, the Holy Spirit shall testify of me. So according to the text, brothers and sisters, people cannot know ultimate truth without the Holy Spirit revealing it to them. That's crystal clear. The implication, the implication is what? Freedom is joined to the Holy Spirit. It's a package deal, brothers and sisters. See? So when John 8 and 32 said, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free, who shall teach you the truth? Read it one more time, please, brother. 26. But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which, is, which proceeded from the Father, the Holy Spirit shall testify of me. See, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth. So you would need the Spirit of truth to actually be free, brothers and sisters. You see? So there's a lot of people who know about the Bible but are devoid of the Holy Spirit. They're still not free. They're still not free. The doctrine is still off. Because why? The key to the handcuffs is with the Holy Spirit. So you can know about Christ, you can know about the Father and all that. But the easily forgotten, the Holy Spirit, that, that piece holds the keys to the cuffs, the shackles, the spiritual shackles. And we're going to talk about that today. Let's go to 2 Corinthians. Let's go to 2 Corinthians, brothers and sisters. 2 Corinthians, the third chapter, the 17th and the 18th verse. Let us prove to you that the Holy Spirit is what gives freedom. That John 8 and 32 links to what? John 15 and 26. 2 Corinthians 3 and 17. Now the Lord is that Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There's what? There is liberty. So only the Holy Spirit can provide us the ability to no longer live in bondage as slaves to sin. You see that, brothers and sisters? Let's read that one more time. Verse 17. Now the Lord is that Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is... Where the Spirit of the Lord is... There is liberty. See? So where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's transformation, there's truth, there's freedom, brothers and sisters. Verse 18. But we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory. Are what? Are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Mm, mm. 
brothers and sisters, the effect of the Spirit of God is to remove the obscurity and enable one to see clearly. You see this? It's telling you that the Holy Spirit changes you, brothers and sisters, into the image of glory. See, the power to remove that veil, right, and open a man's mind to God's glory comes through the Holy Spirit. Remember, what happened in the Old Testament where Moses had to wear a veil, right? Because his face was just shining. It was shining. So the Most High is telling you, you can only see me face to face through the Holy Spirit. And when you see me face to face, what happens? Can you read that one more time, brother? Verse 18. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Even by the Spirit of the Lord. That's how we're changed from glory to glory, brothers and sisters. Not by the law. Okay? See, the law can't do this. Devoid of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because you don't understand the law without the Holy Spirit. And many Israelites, brothers and sisters, they don't even deal with the Holy Spirit. They don't even deal with her. Okay? That's something they completely ignore. And these are the same people that are your Pharisees. Pharisees had no spirit. They had much law, but didn't know how to follow the law. Brothers and sisters. Right? Let us show you. Because we wanted to show you that what? Liberty or freedom in the spirit of truth or the Holy Spirit are linked together. It's a package deal. It's a package deal. Brothers and sisters, right? Let's go to Exodus 15 and 9, brothers and sisters. We're going to pull it up. Even in the Greek. We're going in, excuse me, in the Hebrew. It's going to be a scholarly study today, brothers and sisters. Because why? This study is doctrinal, brothers and sisters. And many of our people are in a trance when it, when it comes to the Godhead or what they call the Trinity. So what do we have to do? We have to bring out all the stops, brothers and sisters. We have to bring out all the books, and we will do so today to ensure that brothers and sisters have no doubt in their mind about the information that comes out today. We're going to read Exodus 15 and 9 and 15 and 10. Exodus 15 verse 9. The enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil, my lust shall be satisfied upon them, I will draw my sword. My hand shall destroy them. Thou didst blow with thy wind. The sea covered them. They sank as lead in the mighty waters. Brothers and sisters, this is talking about us in Egypt, right? People were looking to destroy us, right? Let us read it one more time, because why? We said that the Holy Spirit brings freedom or liberty, and we're taking you back to Egypt. We're taking you back to Egypt to show you that the Holy Spirit was involved in our freedom then, right? Can you read that again? Verse 9. The enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil. My lust shall be satisfied upon them. I will draw my sword, my hand shall destroy them. Thou didst blow with thy wind. They, thou did what? Thou did blow with thy wind. Now let's look at this wind, brothers and sisters. It's the Hebrew number 7307. And what is it? The Ruach, brothers and sisters. It's the Holy Spirit. 
That word wind is actually representing the Holy Spirit, brothers and sisters. It says by resemblance of the Spirit. So pull that up, brothers and sisters. The wind, it says the resemblance of breath. See? So the Holy Spirit is the breath that was breathed into the nostrils of Adam. See, so that word uh, wind is actually referring to the Holy Spirit, brothers and sisters. The Spirit of God. So we wanted to point that out. We wanted to point that out. Read that one more time, please, brother. Verse 9. The enemy said, I will pursue. I will overtake. I will divide the spoil. My lust shall be satisfied upon them. I will draw my sword. My hand shall destroy them. Thou didst blow with thy wind. He did what? Thou didst blow with thy wind. The sea covered them. They sank his lead in the mighty waters. See, did blow with the wind. What was the wind? The Holy Spirit. So according to the concordance, there's a linguistic link between the wind and the Holy Spirit, brothers and sisters. The Holy Spirit is clearly, clearly the active agent in bringing about Israel's deliverance. Because verse 9 tells you that there was a people pursuing us. Verse 10 says he did use the wind. To part the sea. It was the wind was God's breath. To part the sea. And allow it to close in. On those Egyptians once again. So it was by the power of the Holy Spirit. That Israel. Was miraculously delivered. Out of the hand of bondage. Now why did we go there? We, got, we went there. Because we needed to show the link. Between freedom and the Holy Spirit. The spirit of truth. Frees you from bondage, according to the Bible, not the law. You can know your Israel, you can have the law and all that, but if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're still shackled. You're shackled to the law. You're still a slave. You're still a baby. Only the Holy Spirit can remove those shackles. You can find correlation between freedom and the Holy Spirit all throughout the manuscript. All throughout the manuscript. Now, let's go to 2 Corinthians 3 and 6. See, we just wanted to show you that the Old Testament tells you that was the Holy Spirit that divided the waters as the breath of the Most High God. The wind in that particular verse actually breaks down to be the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 3 and 6. Who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament. Of the what, brother? Of the New Testament. Not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. Do you see that, brothers and sisters? Without the Holy Spirit, we are unable to ascertain the spiritual application of the law. The text is telling us. Can you read that one more time, brother? Verse 6. Who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament... Not of the letter, not of the letter of the law, but of the spirit. For the letter killeth, but the spirit giveth life. There goes that freedom again. <laughs> the spirit gives life. So with the help of the spirit, the most high God enables us to discern that the intent of the law may extend far beyond the letter. You see that? When we talk about the spirit of the law, that's the intended purpose. For a, a, a law. The letter means just what's on the page. 
example, if growing up, brothers and sisters, when, you know, we lived with our parents um, as children in our adolescence, and your parents said, don't take candy from strangers, right? That's the letter of the law. But then you come home with, you know, a soda from a stranger. And you say what? What do you say? Well, you said don't take candy from a stranger. See, that's the letter of the law. The intent of the law was not to talk to strangers and bring anything. Don't take anything from strangers. See, that's the difference, brothers and sisters. The letter of the law is a way that you can get around. The spirit of the law is principally, is principally bound. See? So the spirit of the law means the intended purpose of the law. The intended purpose of implementing that law. Because it's more than just don't take candy from strangers. See, so that's that's a that's just an example, brothers and sisters. Now I want to be clear. You can't understand the spirit of the law of the law until you first understand the letter. Because Christians use that as a way to escape. They use that as a way to not follow the law. And I want to be clear. You have to first follow the letter of the law before you can understand the spirit of the law. Okay, brothers and sisters? We just wanted to show you that according to the text, the spirit gives life. See? The spirit gives life. Let us show you. Let's go to Genesis, the second chapter, the seventh verse, brothers and sisters. Genesis 2, verse 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. Breathed the breath of life into his nostrils. That breath, brothers and sisters, is the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. Remember, it just told you that the Spirit give life. <laughs> See? Then you link that with Genesis 2 and 7. This was the Holy Spirit. As wind or breath into the nostrils of Adam. This passage details the, the meticulous care and attention that God afforded in the unique creation of mankind. See, the supreme creator of the heavens and earth did two things in creating man. First, he formed him from the very dust of the ground. And second, he breathed his own breath into the nostrils of Adam. Read that one more time, please, brother. Genesis 2 and 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. So, brothers and sisters, this distinguished man from all of God's other creatures, right? His breath. See, breath is a significant image for God's spirit in the Bible. All throughout the Bible, brothers and sisters, breath represents the Holy Spirit. And Christ understood this. Let us show you that Christ knew this. Brother Corey, let's go to John 20 and 21 to prove that breath represents the Holy Spirit. And Christ understood this principle. John 20 and 21. What's that say, brother? Then said Christ to them again, Peace be unto you. As my Father has sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them. What did he do? Breathed on them. What did he do? Breathed on them. 
and said unto them, What did he say? Receive ye the Holy Ghost. What did Christ say? Receive ye the Holy Ghost. See that? Christ is active, breathing upon the disciples, evoked the original creation of humanity. You see? So Christ understood what it represented. Breathing upon the disciples referred to a reception of the Holy Spirit. See, this is subsequent to his, you know, this is subsequent to his death and resurrection, brothers and sisters. Okay? Let's read that one more time because we, we wanted to show you that the breath is the Holy Spirit. It represents the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was the breath that gave life unto Adam. Remember, Paul said what? The letter killeth, but the Spirit gives life. So we're showing you how the Spirit gives life, brothers and sisters, okay? And Christ knew this. John 20 and 21. Then said Christ to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father has sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them. He breathed on them. And said unto them. What did he say? Receive ye the Holy Ghost. See that? Many people have never even seen this scripture, brothers and sisters. And that's why I encourage all people to read the gospel. You know, the, the whole Bible is good. The Apographer, all that. But there's so much in the gospel, brothers and sisters, that we overlook. I know there was many years I never saw this, brothers and sisters. I'll be honest with you, okay? In the gospel, especially in the beginning when I first understood the truth, the gospel was the least read part of my Bible, brothers and sisters. And as the Most High was putting it on my spirit to study more Christ, study those three years, that three-year ministry. There's a wealth of knowledge there that you can't find anywhere else in the Bible, brothers and sisters. So I encourage you to go back and read the Gospels again, okay? We just wanted to show you that this unusual incident of Christ breathing symbolized the work of recreation. See, even as God breathed life into the first man, Christ was now doing what? Breathing life into them. Because remember, they didn't have the Holy Spirit. They didn't get the Holy Spirit until Acts the second chapter at Pentecost. So Christ was doing what? What was he doing? He was showing something, brothers and sisters. He was emulating what would actually transpire. This was a foreshadowing, brothers and sisters. He breathed on them and said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Let us show you further proof that the breath of the Most High gives life. Let's go to Job 33 and 4, brothers and sisters. Job 33 and 4. The Spirit of God hath made me. The what? The Spirit of God hath made me. And the breath of the Almighty had given me life. Look at that, brothers and sisters. See that? Breath is often a picture of the Spirit, brothers and sisters. In fact, the Hebrew word for Spirit is also the same word for breath, brothers and sisters. It's the same exact word. So according to the text, the origin of life is found where? In the Spirit. Let's read that one more time. Verse 4. The Spirit of God hath made me. And the breath of life of the Almighty hath given me life. The letter killeth, the, the Spirit giveth life, right? See that? So Christ breathing on his disciples was a symbolization of what would be bequeathed to the apostles on the day of Pentecost. 
right? When they were gathered for the Pentecost, right? And the Holy Spirit came down on those brothers and they were baptized in the Holy Spirit and they all started speaking in tongues or understanding tongues, right? See, so a symbolism of the disciples being spiritually regenerated is what Christ was doing. Let's read that one more time and then we're going to move forward. Job 33 and 4. The Spirit of God hath made me, and the breath of the Almighty hath given me life. Remember, Christ just got done breathing on the disciples. Right? So the the breathing upon them was meant to convey the, the impression that the Holy Spirit would give them life. Now, that's critical. That's vital, in fact. Because these brothers had been following Christ for three years, and Christ is telling them, you, you're still not alive. You still need the Holy Spirit. So that shows you, you can believe in Christ and, and be a follower of Christ and all that and still be dead because you are without, you are devoid of the Holy Spirit. So this is very, very, very important today, brothers and sisters. Very important. Let's still talk about that breath given life. Let's go to Ezekiel 37. Valley of the Dry Bones, right? Let's go there. Because now you're, you're, you're understanding Hebrew hermeneutics, brothers and sisters, right? Throughout the Bible, breath is a representation of the Holy Spirit. Now you're starting to understand this, okay? Ezekiel 37, verse 1. We're going to read 1 through 5. The hand of the Lord was upon me. And carried me out in the spirit of the Lord. There's the spirit of the Lord again, right? And set me down in the midst of the valley which was full of bones. And caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were very many in the open valley. And lo, they were very dry. He's having a vision of skeletons in a dry valley in a desert, brothers and sisters. Verse 3. And he said unto me, Son of man. Can these bones live? Can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. Only you know, Father. Again he said unto me, Prophesy upon these bones. Do what? Prophesy upon these bones. And say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Hear the word of God, right? Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you. I will do what? I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live. He would send the Holy Spirit, brothers and sisters. And the Holy Spirit would give these dry bones, these skeletons, life. See? That's the hermeneutical application there. The breath gives life. The Spirit gives life. So now you're understanding how important the Holy Spirit is. It gives life. All throughout the manuscript. Ezekiel seeing a, a valley of just dry bones, just skeletons. The Most High said, I will breathe breath. That same breath that went into Adam, I will breathe into these dry bones. Why? So they can have life. Read verse 9 and 10. Ezekiel 37 and 9. Then said he unto me, prophesy unto the wind. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, Thus saith the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain. Come from the four winds, what? O breath. O breath. 
and breathe upon these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived, and stood up upon their feet, an exceeding great army. He's saying, I read 10 one more time, brother. Verse 10. So I prophesied as he commanded. And what happened? And the breath came into them. What happened? The breath came into them. The Holy Spirit. And they lived, and stood up upon their feet, an exceeding great army. A great army, brothers and sisters. The breath came upon them. We're proving to you that breath, or rather the Holy Spirit, gives life all throughout the text, brothers and sisters. And what came from this? An exceeding great army. See, but it would first start with what? The Holy Spirit. You would need breath. Read verse 11, brother, because who are these dry bones? Verse 11. Then he said unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Who is it? The whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dry and our hope is lost. We are cut off from our parts. These bones are the whole house of Israel, brothers and sisters. Do you see that? So these, this valley of dry bones is referring to our people, black people, Hispanic people, native people, some of the, those darker Asians like uh, Cambodian, Vietnam, the Hawaiians, right? All in those areas, right? Guam, the, the Mexicans, the Dominicans, the Benjamites, or the West Indies, the Haitians, the Negroes. See, these are God's people. These are the house of Israel. These are the dry bones. They're dead because they have no clue who they are. They have no clue who their people are. They have no clue who their God is. They, they don't have a land. See, they don't have a land of their own. How is it that our people, Brother Corey and I, and those of you following our church, are mostly Israelites and have found out that you're Israel? How did that happen? The Holy Spirit came upon us, brothers and sisters. Where our people started to look for some truth. It wasn't coincidence that you found the truth. It's not coincidence that you found us, brothers and sisters. That was the Holy Spirit waking us up. See, he put a spirit on our heart to do what? To seek, right? To, to look for something, to try to find something about ourselves. And what did we find? We find verse 11. Can you read that again, brother? Ezekiel 37 and 11. Then he said unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dry, and our hope is lost. We are cut off from our parts. Therefore prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your grave. I will open your grave. We're spiritually in graves, brothers and sisters. Spiritually dead. I will open your graves and cause you to come up out of your grave. See, he's not. this is not reincarnation or resurrection here brothers and sisters he's telling you spiritually you're dead right but my spirit will come upon you and cause you to come up out of your graves and bring you into the land of Israel and he will give us the land again but we just wanted to show you that the breath represents the Holy Spirit and that gives life because without breath you're dead right brothers and sisters see this is how you study the Bible Brothers and sisters, this is how you do it. From precept to precept, 
here a little, there a little, right? We're learning about who? The Holy Spirit, right? This whole topic today will be centered around the Holy Spirit and her value, her importance, right? Let's go to Romans, brother. Eight. Romans 8 and 9. Follow us, please, brothers and sisters. Romans 8, verse 9. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the spirit of Christ. Can you read that part again? Now if any man have not the spirit of Christ. Then what? He is none of his. If someone does not possess the spirit of the Messiah. He or she does not belong to the Messiah. See, this is crystal clear. If the Spirit of God does not dwell within you, you are unregenerate. Do you see? Can you read that one more time, brother? Verse 9. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ... He is none of his. So look at this closely, brothers and sisters. This marks the separation of all mankind into what? Two groups. One without the spirit, and then what? The other with the spirit. See? So either one has the spirit indwelling, or he does not. See? So you either have it or you do not. And according to the author, eternity hangs in the balance. See, Paul says that Christ dwelleth in him through the Holy Spirit. Let's read it one more time. Romans 8, verse 9. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Look at that. See that, brothers and sisters? You can't have Christ unless you have the Spirit of God, which is the Holy Spirit. So we're showing you how important she is. Why is she overlooked? Why is she overlooked? When she's one of the, you know, integral to our growth, to our life. Because you can have the law. You can know who Christ is and all that. Because why? Christians know who Christ is, to some degree. But without the Holy Spirit, you're dead. You're dead. Because you don't understand anything you're reading in the Bible. Let's go to 1 Corinthians, brothers and sisters. 12 and 3. The title of today's lesson, The Easily Forgotten. The Easily Forgotten. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 3. What's that say, brother? Wherefore I give you... Give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God called Christ accursed, and that no man can say that Christ is the Lord. No man, what, brother? Can say that Christ is the Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. Mm. Now brother, there, or excuse me, brothers and sisters, the text highlights the importance of our possession of the Holy Spirit. No person can claim. Well, let us let the Scripture let, read that one more time, please, brother. Verse 3, Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calls Christ a curse. Right. And that no man can say that Christ is the Lord. Christ is the Savior. But by the Holy Ghost. Look at that, brothers and sisters. 
See? So no person can claim his lordship in truth unless they do so in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, there's something key there. It says, what did it call Christ? Let's read that one more time. Verse 3. Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Christ a curse. Right. And that no man can say that Christ is the Lord. That Christ is the Savior? The Lord. It's the Savior? The Lord. So look at this. The Lord. That's owner. That's master. That's submission. That word Lord means submission. So it's telling you it's impossible for you to submit the void of the Holy Spirit. You could be following the law and all that. But if you don't have the Holy Spirit, it's impossible for you to, to submit to his lordship. You could call him savior all day long. But the Lord part. See? So you have to be careful, brothers and sisters. Don't skim through the Bible. It doesn't say savior there. It says Lord. Which are two different... It's, it has two different meanings. Savior is... Yeah, you're going to help me out, deliver me. The Lord means I'm going to submit to you. Brothers and sisters, in, in the Western world, really, we don't use the word Lord. Right? Except for when? Landlord. Right? What is a landlord, brothers and sisters? A landlord is the owner of the land. So the word Lord means owner. See? That's why it says no man can call Christ owner, but by the Holy Ghost. Why? Because it's impossible. It's impossible to you to for you to submit to his lordship devoid of the Holy Spirit. You can have the law and all that. You can know he's the Messiah. You can know he's the Savior. But if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you cannot submit to him. You see, brothers and sisters, no man or woman can claim his lordship unless they do so by the power of the Holy Spirit. Further proof. Let's go to Wisdom of Solomon in the Apocrypha. For those who don't know what the Apocrypha is, brothers and sisters, we have before us a 1611 King James Version Bible. We have an Oxford edition. We also have a Cambridge edition. And brothers and sisters, in the 1611 King James Version, which was the first version, there was 80 books in it, okay, not 66. They took 14 books out of it, right? And that was in, what, 1885. So from 1611 all the way to the 1800s, those books were contained in the Bible. But then you had the Protestants, right? The Protestants and the Romans worked together to take these books out, understanding that the abolition of slavery, so-called, was coming in the 1800s. So that means there was going to be Negroes reading, right? There was going to be Negroes reading, and they couldn't have this in there. If you go to King James Bible online, it tells you what? That the Apocrypha was part of the Bible for over 200 years. Okay, brothers and sisters? So we just wanted to bring that out, okay? We just wanted to bring that out. And in fact, Brothers and sisters, you can download what's called the 1611 King James Bible uh, on the Play Store and on iTunes. Okay, so you can get this right now. Even if you don't have the money to go to the store right now, you can download the app right now, right? 1611 KJV. So you can see what it looks like. We're in the book of Wisdom of Solomon. We know that Solomon was what? 
the son of David, the wisest man to ever walk the earth outside of the Messiah, right? Wisdom of Solomon 9 and 17. What's that say, Brother Corey? Wisdom of Solomon 9 and 17. And thy counsel who hath known, except thou give wisdom, and send thy Holy Spirit from above. Except what, brother? Except thou give wisdom, and send thy Holy Spirit from above. This text identifies wisdom with who? The Holy Spirit. See? So wisdom is equated with the Holy Spirit, and both are considered to be feminine. We're going to show you. Can you read that one more time, brother? It's a key point here. Verse 17. And thy counsel who hath known. Who could know his counsel? Except thou give wisdom. Except you give wisdom. And send thy Holy Spirit from above. Where's the Holy Spirit? From above. See that? Without the Holy Spirit, you can never imagine. You can never fathom or understand God's mind. Brothers and sisters, you see that? We just wanted to first prove something. Prove that the Holy Spirit is wisdom. It's referred to as wisdom. Because most people know that. Christians know that. But when they see this next scripture, they'll seem to forget it. They'll seem to forget, well, no, I didn't know the Holy Spirit was wisdom. You didn't. We're going to establish it here first. Let's read it one more time, brother. And then let's go to Luke. Wisdom of Solomon 9 and 17. And thy counsel who hath known, except thou give wisdom, and send thy Holy Spirit from above. Devoid of wisdom, a.k.a. the Holy Spirit, you could not understand his counsel. But what can you understand? You can understand Luke 7 and 34. See, I take a Christian right here. This is where I take a Christian, brothers and sisters. Luke 7 and in 34, we'll have Brother Corey read 34 and 35. Listen closely. Luke 7 and 34. The Son of Man is come eating and drinking. And ye say, Behold, a gluttonous man, a wine-bibber, a friend of the publicans and sinners. But wisdom is justified of all her children. But what? But wisdom is justified of all her children. Of his children. Of her children. Look at this. Christ referred to the Holy Spirit as his mother. See? The Holy Spirit in particular is an archetypal image that evokes the divine feminine. You see this, brothers and sisters? Now tell us that Christ is wrong. Tell us that Christ is wrong. Let's read that again, brother, from the top, please. Luke 7 and 34. The Son of Man is come eating and drinking, and ye say... Behold, a gluttonous man and a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners. But wisdom is justified of all her children. Wisdom is justified of her children. So based on this evidence, we argue that the Holy Spirit should be considered the feminine member of the Godhead, according to Christ. According to all the other places we're going to go into. Wisdom is known or justified of her children. Here we see the femininity of the Holy Spirit balances out the what? The masculinity of who? The Father and the Son. You see that balance? Flawless, right? <laughs> he said, let us make man in our image, male and female. Where did female come from? See? So you have the Father, masculine. The Holy Spirit, feminine. And the Son, masculine. See? They taught us that the Holy Spirit was masculine. 
How can you get child from that? How can you get life from that? See? <laughs> it told you that the Holy Spirit give life. Where do we come from, brothers and sisters? Who, who gave you birth? <laughs> See? They never wanted this information out there. Why? Because they needed to teach, they needed to teach the virgin birth deception. And if you knew that the Holy Spirit was a feminine spirit, then you would know ain't no way in in heck, ain't no way in heck that the Holy Spirit could get married pregnant. See, so they they're robbing Peter to pay they're robbing Paul to pay Peter. So in order for them to keep pushing this, the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary and got her pregnant, they had to lie about the the gender. You know, in regards to, you know, the femininity or masculinity when it came to the Holy Spirit. They did that strategically. They did that strategically. Why? Because they're dealing with homosexuality. The Romans are dealing with homosexuality. We know this. All of us know this, brothers and sisters. You had the father, which is the king. He was to himself for a time. And then he pulled out of himself the Holy Spirit. Like he pulled Eve out of Adam. And from Adam and Eve, you got who? Seth. Right? And from the Father and the Holy the Holy uh, Spirit, you get who? Christ. See? See, it all makes sense. The danger in Christianity is nothing has to make sense. Nothing has to make sense. They can always just come back and say, well, God could do anything that he wants, right? Well, yeah. He's not going to operate differently than what he's already established. The Holy Spirit is feminine. We're reading it directly out of the Bible. Directly out of the Bible. We're going to say it again. Brothers and sisters, read your gospel. Read your gospel. I beseech you, brethren. Let's go to 2nd Ezra's, brethren. Go back to the Apocrypha. And now you're going to see why they took the Apocrypha out. <laughs> you're going to see. What were they trying to hide? What were they trying to hide in, this, in, in the Apocrypha, which is the 14 books of the Bible that they took out? Second Edges 13 and 54. What's that say, brother? For thou hast forsaken thine own way and applied thy diligence unto my law and sought it. Thy life hast thou ordered in wisdom, and hath called understanding thy mother. Oh, my brothers and sisters. You see this? <laughs> see? They're like, oh, no. No. Take that out. Take that out of there. We can't teach this the sleep doctrine. We can't teach the slave doctrine with the apocrypha in there. Read that one more time, brother, please. Verse 54. 54. For thou hast forsaken thine own way. And applied thy diligence unto my law, and sought it. Thy life hast thou ordered in wisdom. In wisdom. And hast called understanding thy mother. No, thy father. Thy mother. Thy brother. Thy mother. See? So the earliest believers, all of whom were Jews, spoke of the Holy Spirit as a feminine figure. Brothers and sisters. This Ezra is the same Ezra from the Old Testament. See? So through the image of the Holy Spirit as a mother, one may obtain a, a better appreciation of the fullness 
of the Godhead, not the Trinity. The Trinity is not in the Bible. That, that word does not exist in the Bible. The Godhead, right? So the next testimony to the Holy Spirit's femininity may be derived from wisdom of Solomon. Let us show you that. See, they try to cut the female out of it completely. See? If you learn about the Holy Spirit, you can learn about the woman. The Bible tell you that it was the Holy Spirit that designed the earth. Now remember, there's one sin you can't be forgiven for. What is it? See? Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> the same way today. Listen, I'll forgive you for a lot of things, brother, but not coming against my wife. <laughs> See? The same thing. There's a line you don't cross. The most size the same way. It's like, listen, you can speak about me. You can speak about Christ. But if you try to come against the Holy Spirit, you will never be forgiven. See? So when you study the Holy Spirit, you see the feminine character traits. Father, uh, excuse me, Ahaya, the Father is masculine. The Holy Spirit is the female version or feminine version of the Father. Just like your wife, if you have a wife, right? Let's go to Wisdom of Solomon, because we said the next testimony of the Holy Spirit's femininity is going to be derived there, right? Wisdom of Solomon 7. And now you're seeing why they took this out, brothers and sisters. They just took all this out. But Cambridge paid for these books to be in it, to be published, right? Oxford paid. See, we have the we use the King James Version 1611. The very first version. That's the one we use. That other thing that's out there, that's not a Bible, brothers and sisters. That's not a Bible. I encourage you to go get you a 1611. At least download the app, brothers and sisters. At least download the app. It's free. Right? Wisdom of Solomon, 7 verse 11. All good things together come to me with her and innumerable riches in her hand. <laughs> Look at this, brothers and sisters. Speaking of the Holy Spirit, continue, brother. Verse 12. Actually, read that one more time, please. Verse 11. All good things together came to me with her. All good things. The author urged his readers not to be deceived away from the source of good things. See that? And innumerable riches in her hand. Mm. And I rejoiced in them all, because wisdom goeth before them. Because what? Wisdom goeth before them, and I knew not that she was the mother of them. According to the text, the acquisition of the Holy Spirit precedes obtaining desirable things. You see that? There it is again. She's the mother of them. Because wisdom goeth before them. Wisdom precedes, right? See this? Her, her, she, she. They like, nah, we gotta take that out. We gotta take it out. See that? Continue. Verse 13. I learn diligently and do communicate her liberally. I do not hide her riches. For she is a treasure unto men that never faileth, which they that use become the friends of God. Which what? Which they that use become the friends of God. The friendship. Of the Most Highest for those who have inherited the Holy Spirit. It's clear. Being commended for the gifts that come from learning. According to the author, friendship is unattainable through any other means. 
I'm going to read that again. Read four, 14, brother, please. 14. For she is a treasure unto men that never fail it, which they that use become the friends of God. They that use become the friends of God. See, he didn't say those who use the law. He said those who use the Holy Spirit become the friends of God. So we're trying to show you how important she is. Being commended for the gifts that come from learning. See? Let's go to Wisdom of Solomon 9 and 9, brothers and sisters. Easily forgotten. The easily forgotten. The title of today's, that is the title of today's lesson or lecture. The whole, our whole lesson will be about the Holy Spirit, brothers and sisters. From every aspect, from every aspect, you will understand much more than you have ever understood concerning the Holy Spirit after the conclusion of this lesson. Wisdom of Solomon, 9 and verse 9. Yeah. And wisdom was with thee, which knoweth thy works. Read that again, brother. And wisdom was with thee. Which knoweth thy works. Wisdom was with the Most High. And was present when thou made the world. Look at that. And knew what was the acceptable in thy sight. Mm. And right in thy commandments. According to the author. Having the Holy Spirit dwelling within us is a prerequisite for pleasing God. Can you read that again, brother? Verse 9. And wisdom, wisdom was with thee. Which knoweth thy works. And was present when thou made the world. She was present in the beginning. And knew what was acceptable in thy sight. She knows what's acceptable to the Most High. And right in thy commandments. It's the same way at home. You have a mother and a father, right? The mother, all day long, she's telling her children, do this, do that. Your father's going to be home. This is how he wants it done, right? This is how he wants it done. Or when the father have to come with the belt, She's there to comfort you, as John calls it, right? And say, I tried to tell you, your father was coming home. It's going to be okay. <laughs> or she tried to she tried to protect you, like, hold up, hold up. Don't, don't hit him, hold up. Give him a chance, give him a chance. See, that's the Holy Spirit. Same way the mother does in the home. Because when, when the father come, when the most high come, he ain't there to do no talking. He's going to start swinging. Wrath come from the Most High. Then you have his softer side, which is the Holy Spirit. And then you have Christ, the Son. See? So we wanted to show you. You understand more about God if you stop lying about his spirit. She is the spirit of truth. She was present when the world was created. She knows what's acceptable the same way a mother knows what's acceptable in her husband's, uh, you know, sight. So she's telling her son, her daughter, this is how your father wanted it done. Okay. Before your father come home, you got to make sure that the house is clean. You got to make sure the dishes are done or whatever the case is. Okay. That's what the mother is there for. The father is the head, right? But he passes down his agenda to his wife, right? Or to the mother's spirit. And she disseminates that to the children. But guess what? Whose plan is it? It's the father's plan. He's trained his woman. The same way the Most High have trained the Holy Spirit. To act or operate in his, you know, in his absence. 
See? This is deep, brothers and sisters. Let's read that one more time. <clears throat> wisdom of Solomon 9, verse 9. And wisdom was with thee, which knoweth thy works, and was present when thou made the world, and knew what was acceptable in thy sight, and right in thy commandments. O send her out of thy holy heavens, and from the throne of thy glory, that being present she may labor with me, that I may know what is pleasing unto thee. That I may know what is pleasing unto thee. So, so the Holy Spirit is the counselor, brothers and sisters, that she may labor with me. So when you begin to reject her counsel, she rejects you. You see that? Read 10 one more time, please, brother. Verse 10. O send her out of thy holy heavens, and from the throne of thy glory, that being present she may labor with me, that I may know what is pleasing unto thee. Look at that, that I may know what's pleasing unto you. So if you reject her counsel, she rejects you. We, if we don't lay that groundwork, you will begin to override her advice for your own, which will result in failure. Brothers and sisters, read the next scripture, brother, please. Verse 11. For she knoweth and understandeth all things, and she shall lead me soberly in my doing. She shall what? Lead me soberly in my doing. No, buzzed. Soberly in my doings and preserve me in her power. She will lead me soberly in my doings. So she can only lead you if you're sober. See, and this is why Paul said it's time to cast off the workers of darkness. It's time to be sober minded. Because why? She can only lead a person who's sober. See that? So, yeah, I know in America, you know, in Babylon, marijuana and all this stuff is uh, so-called legal and all this stuff. Why did they make it legal now? Because they understood that our people were waking up and they're losing their their stranglehold on black men. So they're like, just listen, put some weed out there. OK, just have them smoke up all day and and just want to sit up in the house with no job. Right. No work. Do nothing. Just sit up in there and smoke marijuana all day and play the Xbox. See? The Holy Spirit can only lead you soberly. Brothers and sisters, follow us to 1 Corinthians, the 2nd chapter, in the 9th through the 11th verses. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9 But as it is written I had not seen nor ear heard neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him but God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit What did God do? He hath revealed them unto us by his spirit for the spirit searcheth all things yea the deep things of God for what man knoweth the things of a man save the spirit of man which is in him. Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. God's wisdom must be revealed by the Holy Spirit, brothers and sisters, or else it remains secret and hidden. The text is clear. According to the text, our level of literacy is in connection with the Holy Spirit. Let's read that again from the top, verse 9. Verse 9, But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. 
But God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit. Boom. See, that's the key. The spirit bridges the communication gap between ourselves and the most high. So it's clear when a person does not have the Holy Spirit because they can't discern. They can't see properly. They can only see fleshly or carnally like the Pharisees. They can't see the spiritual implications. They can't see the spiritual principles, right? So he's telling you, you can have the law and all that, right? But if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're wasting it. You're wasting it. Verse 10. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man, but the spirit of God. Look at that. So the knowledge is unattainable, brothers and sisters, by human wisdom or investigation. See, the Most High reveals his mystery to us by his spirit. That's crystal clear, brothers and sisters. That is crystal clear. So we're just showing you how important the Holy Spirit is, right? And for Christians to sit here and lie. Now, guess what? Most Israelites will, will they either not deal with the Holy Spirit at all, or they'll say it's masculine also. So I don't want to make this as like we're looking to condemn Christians. Because most people are misunderstood about what the Bible has to say. You know, we understand that. Because why? Satan is the God of this world. So he's looked to, to pervert all avenues of the Bible, including the Holy Spirit. He lied to us about who Christ was, told us Christ had no father, told us Christ's birthday was December 25th, told us that the father's name was Yahweh, <laughs> which is actually the name of the devil. Yahovah, Yah means God, Hova or Hava means wickedness. Look it up. So he lied about his name. Lied about his Sabbath. Okay? See, God said Saturday. He said, well, nah, let's do it on the first day of the week. God said, rest on the seventh day of the week. He said, well, nah, my father's going to do it on the first day. See? And now we're showing that he lied on the Holy Spirit. Claiming that she got the Holy uh, got Mary pregnant and all that. And that is masculine. See? So you had to expect it, brothers and sisters. He was going to lie after lie after lie. And guess who he used to perpetrate his lie? Yeah, you're right. Christians. It was the Christians, brothers and sisters. They perpetuated all those lies. Be careful with that. Our people have to separate from Christianity. For some reason, our people have to put a name on it. Why you can't just be a believer? Why you can't just be a follower of Christ? Why do you have to put a name on it and say, well, I'm a Christian? Brothers and sisters, the Holy Spirit will cause you to separate from that. Why? Because if you claim you're a Christian, that means you have to agree with all of their doctrines. Like virgin birth. Like Christmas being his birthday. Like Sunday worship. Like the Trinity. See, when you claim that title Christian then automatically that makes a person believe that you agree with everything they do. So are people going to have to separate from that Christianity? Our church is not a religious church. Okay? We don't believe in religion, brothers and sisters. 
There's the Israelites were not in a religion. What religion was David? What religion was Sol Solomon? See, what religion was Ezekiel? So you have to separate yourself from religion. Religion was put in place to make sure you don't find God. And we're showing you what? Well, the Bible is showing you that the Holy Spirit reveals God's mysteries. Let's go to John 16 and 7. John, the 16th chapter, the 7th verse. John 16, verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send her unto you. The implication is that the... The dispensation of the Spirit is a greater manifestation of God than even Christ in the flesh. Look at what Christ says here. Number one, there's two things. The comforter. Show me a man that's a comforter. And I'll show you a homosexual. Okay? So that title in itself should not be on a man. Okay? Let's read that one more time. Verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. It's better that I go away. For if I go not away. If I don't leave. The comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. See? So according to the text, the presence of the Holy Spirit was more valuable to them than that of the Savior himself. Christ is saying, well, I got to go away because if I don't, you won't get the Holy Spirit. So I'm willing to go away so you can get the Holy Spirit. See, according to the Messiah, it is to our advantage that he go away. Why? Let's read it one more time. Verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send her unto you. See that? You see that, brothers and sisters? Let's go to John uh, 7 and 38. John, the seventh chapter and the 38th verse, brothers and sisters. The title of today's lesson, The Easily Forgotten. The Easily Forgotten. The topic is the Holy Spirit. We're turning on the lights, brothers and sisters, so we can see where the lies, the snares are. John 7 and 38. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Christ was not yet glorified. Brothers and sisters, read. I need you to examine 38 again, because we read this a lot, but I think we missed the focus of it, right? 38. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Brothers and sisters, the emphasis is not on the living water. It's on the placement of the living water. Where is it being placed? Out of the belly shall flow rivers of living water. See? Do you see that, brothers and sisters? Closely, closely, closely examine where the living water proceeds from. One more time, brother. 38. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Out of his belly, right? 
So this text presents a firm exegetical evidence from the New Testament that the Old Testament covenant believers were not indwelt. You see that? It's saying, if you believe in me as the scripture said, out of your belly, out of your core, out of your center, will flow rivers of living water. Brothers and sisters, we can assure you that this never happened in the Old Testament. Now, people are saying, well, nah, had to. All those people that held the Holy Spirit was anointed. Brothers and sisters, don't forget the text, this particular text, it's not focusing on the rivers of living water. We know that's the Holy Spirit. But it's the source where it's coming from, which is from within. The belly is your center, right? Let's go to 1 Samuel 16 and 13 to prove this. 1 Samuel 16 and 13. Take a look at this, brothers and sisters. 1 Samuel 16 and 13. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David. He did what? Came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Samuel, brothers and sisters, was the last judge in Israel and the first man to stand in the office of the prophets. And what did he say happened? Verse 13. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. Examine carefully how the Holy Spirit interacts with the people of the Old Testament. Let's read that one more time. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David. It came upon him, right? From that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. So according to the text, the Spirit comes upon only specific people for a special service. You see that, brothers and sisters? Coming upon, that's being anointed on the outside, right? Let's go to Judges 6 and 34. This will help you. This will help you understand that, that scripture. John 6 and 34. Judges 6 and 34. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and he blew a trumpet. And Abiezar was gathered after him. And he sent messengers throughout all Manasseh, who also was gathered after him. And he sent messengers unto Asher, and unto Zebulun, and unto Naphtali. Now, brothers and sisters, I need you to examine 34 one more time. 34. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. It did what? Came upon Gideon. The words came upon literally mean to be clothed, brothers and sisters. So the Spirit put herself on Gideon as a cloak and enabled him to lead his 300 mighty men into battle. Read that one more time, please, brother. Verse 34. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. Don't ignore that came upon Gideon. So in the Old Testament, people received the Holy Spirit for a short time for a particular task. The Most High God does not dwell in His people in the Old Testament. He dwells amongst them. There's a difference. See this, that? Oh, excuse me. Yeah. Verse 34. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and he blew a trumpet. And Abiezar was gathered after him. See that? 
So now you're understanding, brothers and sisters. Now you understand John 7 and 38. We always focused on the, the living water. But it was more so where the living water was coming from. Pointed out the new covenant. Let us show you. Let's go to Jeremiah 17 and 9. Jeremiah, the 17th chapter in the ninth verse. Jeremiah 17 verse 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Look at this, brothers and sisters. The heart is deceitful. So I know there's a lot of things we've been taught or that we feel emotionally. Brothers and sisters, especially men, you have to separate from this emotional, you know, st uh, trance that you're in when it comes to the Bible, okay? Brothers and sisters, you have to take your emotion out of this. It is whatever it says it is, brothers and sisters, no matter how a person feels. When you start going off emotion, the devil uses emotion. Anytime you get emotional, Satan is utilizing you. Every time, right? When you're very sad and crying or when you're angry, anytime a man or, or sister gets extremely emotional, that's when Satan come in, brothers and sisters. So the Bible tells you what, brother? Verse 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Who can know it, right? We just wanted to show that. Let's go to Psalms 32. Who could know it? Heart is deceitfully wicked, right? Psalms 32 and 1. Psalms 32 verse 1. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Whose sin is... Is covered. Is what, brother? Is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputed not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no God. Now look at this, brothers and sisters. The operative word in this text is covered, right? That's the operative word, brothers and sisters. If it's covered, it can't be seen, but it's still there, right? Right, brothers and sisters? Read that one more time, please. Verse 1. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Whose sin is covered. Let's deal with that part, brothers and sisters. It's there, but it's covered, right? Let's deal with this covering. It's still there. Let's go to 1 John 1 and 7. The operative word is covered. If something's covered, that means it's there. There's something there to actually be covered, right? 1 John 1 verse 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. His blood? His blood of Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. Please note the evidence that you're walking in the light is that you have fellowship. Let's read that one more time. Brother. Note this clearly. Verse 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light. If you walk in the light. We have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. See, examine the provision of cleansing power provided by his blood. But it's contingent, 
What is it contingent on? Can you read that one more time? Verse 7. But if we walk in the light. If we walk in the light. As he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. So the author teaches us that the blood only has power to cleanse in the light. See? If you continue to operate in the darkness, the blood can do nothing for you. The blood can do nothing for you. Only in the light. Now, where are we going with this? Let's go to John 14 and 17. Let's go back to the gospel. John 14, excuse me, 14 and 17, brothers and sisters. We're in the gospel again. John 14 and 17. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth her, but ye know him. For, for he dwelleth within you and shall be in you. Now it's key, brothers and sisters. Remember, we said that the Holy Spirit came upon the people, right? Why didn't it go inside? We took you to Jeremiah 17 and 9 and said the heart was wicked. So what was in you was wicked, right? So how can the Holy Spirit enter in, you know, and dwell, indwell in a wicked heart, brothers and sisters? Now look at the 17th verse in the 14th chapter of the book of John. Can you read that one more time, brother? Verse 17. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth her not, neither knoweth her, but ye know her. For she dwells with you. She does what? For she dwells with you and shall be in you. And shall what? And shall be in you. And shall be where? In you. The Holy Spirit's ministry to believers changed after Christ's death and resurrection. You see that, brothers and sisters? It doesn't get any clearer than this. During Christ's ministry, the Holy Spirit was with the apostles, right? She was not in the apostles. You see that, brothers and sisters? Let's read it one more time. Verse 17. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth her not, Neither knoweth her, but ye know her, for she dwells with you. Right now, she dwells with you. And shall be in you. And then she shall be in you. So at this time when he's speaking, he's saying the Holy Spirit dwell with you right now. But it shall be in you. This is why he said, I must go away. I must go away. Because if I don't go away, the Holy Spirit can't come. Because why? The Holy Spirit is bound in Christ. <laughs> So once Christ go, now that spirit can, now that spirit can operate. See, and the key part is, if she's the mother spirit, right? She would have to be the authority. Okay. So Christ had to go. It's just like this, brothers and sisters. If I have a son, if my son, brothers and sisters, if I, if I own a kingdom. And my son is in my kingdom. He's not in charge, right? He's not in charge because his daddy is the king. So what would I have to do? I would have to get my son another land. You understand? So I have to buy him another land and make him king over there. Because if we're on the same land, I'm your daddy, boy. I'm in charge. It's the same thing with the Most High. The Most High is a king. 
He wanted us to be king. So what did he have to do? He had to give us our own territory. He's like, as long as you're in my house, <laughs> hey, <laughs> I'm the authority up in here, okay? So let me give you the earth so you can have authority. But as long as you're here with me, I'm the authority. See that? Same thing happened here with the Holy Spirit, brothers and sisters. Christ is the son. The son have to go so the mother can now take over. The mother spirit. You never saw them at the same time, brothers and sisters. Do you see this? See, it only makes sense if you know the Holy Spirit is feminine, if it's the mother spirit, brothers and sisters. We're just showing you that when, when you have a parent, whether it's the father or the mother, and they're in the same area with the son, it doesn't matter who the son is, he's still under authority. The Most High understood this. So with the kings and queens of Europe, what would they do? They would give their children islands. Why? Because as long as you're still here in England, then <laughs> you're not the king. I'm the king here. So I got to get you your own territory where you can be king at. As long as you're here, though, you're under me. See? Let's go to John 7 and 38. Now I think you get this, brothers and sisters. John 7 and 38. What's that saying, brethren? John 7 and 38. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spoke he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given. Because what? Because that Christ was not yet glorified. Look at that, brothers and sisters. If you allow the Holy Spirit to lead you from within, the rivers of living water will flow. This is what he's telling us clearly. Can you read those two scriptures again, brother? John 7 and 38. He that believeth on me as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the spirit. What was he speaking of? The spirit was they that believe on him should receive. Now look at this part. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given. Why? Because that Christ was not yet glorified. Because what? Christ was not yet glorified. The indwelling could not take place until after redemption had been accomplished with the death, burial, and resurrection. You see that, brothers and sisters? Could not happen. Let's go to Ecclesiasticus in the Apocrypha. Ecclesiasticus. Not Ecclesiastes. That's in the Old Testament. Ecclesiasticus is in the Apocrypha. We're at Ecclesiasticus, the, 20, the 6th chapter, the 22nd through the 27th verse. Ecclesiasticus 6 and 22. For wisdom is according to her name, and she is not manifest unto many. She's not manifest unto many. Many people don't have her, right? She's rare. Verse 23. Give ear, my son. Receive my advice, and refuse not my counsel. Right. And put thy feet into her fetters, and thy neck into her chains. Look at that. He's saying, subjugate yourself to her. Subjugate yourself, right? You know that yoke that they put around, <laughs> you know, slaves? It's a yoke around the neck that goes down to the wrist, right? And around the waist, he's saying, put yourself in one of those. Okay? Verse 25. Bow down thy shoulder. And bear her, and be not grieved with her bonds. 
Come unto her with thy whole heart, and keep her ways with all thy power. Do what? And keep thy keep her ways with all thy power. Come unto her with thy whole heart, and keep her ways. See? What's 27 say, brother? And search and seek, and she shall be made known unto thee. And when thou hast got hold of her, let her not go. What did that say? And when thou hast got hold of her, let her not go. And when thou hast gotten hold of her, let her not go. What does that tell us? That tells us that she has a propensity or proclivity to get loose. See? When you have her, don't let her go. That tells you that you can lose the Holy Spirit, brothers and sisters. See? Same exact thing when you're dealing with a sister, when you're dealing with a woman, right? You got her, but if you don't do what it takes to keep her, she'll be out of there. See? Same thing with the Holy Spirit. If you want to learn about the woman, learn about the Holy Spirit. Sisters, if you want to learn about yourselves, learn about the Holy Spirit. Because he's telling you what in 27? Verse 27. Search and seek, and she shall be made known unto thee. And when thou hast got hold of her, let her not go. Let her not go. So you have to first get a hold of her. It's just like, you know, the courting process. Remember when you was in high school or whatever the case is, and you wanted that, wanted to get that number from that sister? What did you do? <laughs> what did you do? You walking her, holding her books, you walking her to her locker, right? Same thing here in the Holy Spirit. Same exact thing. Wine and dine. Let's go to Proverbs, the first chapter, because this particular text said, once you get a hold of her, you better not let her go. You better not let her go. Why? Because many people don't get a chance with her. See? She don't sleep around. Proverbs 1 and 24. Because I have called and re ye refused. This is the Holy Spirit here, brothers and sisters speaking. I have stretched out my hand, and no man regarded. But ye have said at not all my counsel, and with none of my reproof. Now, brothers and sisters, these verses introduce the fate of those who neglect to listen to the Holy Spirit, right? Verse 26. I also will laugh at your calamity. What will she do? I will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh. Solomon sets the stage of consequences for those who disregard his instructions verse 27 when your fear cometh as desolation and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind when distress and anguish cometh upon you then shall they call upon me but i will not answer they shall seek me early but they shall not find me look at that brothers and sisters truth and wisdom are they're not rights they're privileges so the Most High is under no obligation to wait for you to get serious, okay? Our flagrant ineptitude would prove self-destructive. It's telling you here. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 27. 27. When your fear cometh as desolation, and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind, when distress and anguish cometh upon you, then shall they call upon me. Then you'll call. But I will not answer. They shall seek me early. But they shall not find me. Don't this happen many times, brothers, when you finally want to get right? 
you finally get it right and it's too late. You've, you've done too much damage. And she's ready to move on. This happens all the time. The men try to get together when it's too late. Once you finally realize, like, man, I may not, that this was it. I may not find this again. I couldn't see it while I was in it. I should have gone. You've done too much. You had done too much. It's the same thing here. She's like, don't take me for granted. Don't take me for granted. Let's go to Wisdom of Solomon 12 and 1. The title of today's lesson, The Easily Forgotten. The Easily Forgotten. Wisdom of Solomon, the 12th chapter, the first and second verse. Wisdom of Solomon 12, verse 1. For thine incorruptible spirit is in all things. Therefore chasteneth thou them by, them by little and little that offend, and warneth them by putting them in remembrance wherein they have offended, that leaving their wickedness they may believe on thee, O Lord. Look at this, brothers and sisters. The Bible is telling you that the Holy Spirit will reveal your sins unto you. Can you look at verse 1 and 2 again, brothers and sisters? Verse 1. For thine incorruptible spirit is in all things. The Holy Spirit is in all things. Therefore chasteneth thou them little by little that offend. Therefore a chastening is coming little and little. Right? And warneth them by putting them in remembrance wherein they have offended. There comes a warning. Right? That leaving their wickedness they may believe on thee, O Lord. So here it is, brothers and sisters. Confess every known sin. See, it's telling you that she will chasten you little by a little and remind you of what you've done wrong. See that? So you cannot sincerely believe in him until you forsake your wickedness, according to this text. He expects you to kill the giants you can see. You see that? When we went into the land, went to the promised land, we didn't kill all the giants at one time, brothers and sisters. As we continued to move and maneuver, we saw more giants and had to kill them as we go. Because why? That's a, that's a picture of how we live spiritually. I can't kill every giant at one time. But when he shows me a giant, I can slay it. See that? When, he show, when I run into to some giants, then now I can slay that. I can't slay them all at one time. See? So he's telling you, listen, I'm going to be pulling certain, you know, certain sins out of you. I'm going to show you that. Okay? And once I show you that, you're obligated to do something about what I've shown you. That's for everyone, including me, brothers and sisters, including me. Let's go to Genesis 24, 1 through 7. Brothers and sisters, this is the story of Elliot. Well, his name wasn't in this story, but we'll speak. We'll let you know who Abraham's servant was Eleazar. Right? Genesis 24 is the what? Is the story of Abraham sending his eldest servant to find a wife for his son Isaac. Right? Brothers and sisters, this particular, you know, text, these texts. We represent the Holy Spirit. This servant here is a representation of the Holy Spirit. It's a type, a 
of Holy Spirit. It's a type of Holy Ghost. Okay, it's a foreshadowing. It's a foreshadowing of what the Holy Ghost would do. Take a listen. Genesis 24 verse 1. And Abraham was old and well stricken in age. And the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said unto his eldest servant of his house that ruled over all that he had. Put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh. And I will make thee swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of the earth that thou shalt not take a wife unto my son of the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I dwell. He said, listen, I'm going to tell you who to bring for my son. All right. So the father was very involved in who his son was going to marry. Right. Abraham said, promise me. Okay. Promise me that you won't bring these type of women here. Okay. Verse four. But thou shalt go unto my country and to my kindred. And take a wife unto my son Isaac. And the servant said unto him, Peradventure the woman would not be willing to follow me into this land. What if the woman's not willing? Must I needs bring thy son again into the land from whence thou came? And Abraham said unto him, Beware thou that thou bring not my son here again. Listen, don't bring my son here again, okay? Verse 7, The Lord God of heaven, which took me from my father's house, and from the land of my kindred, and which spake unto me, and that swear unto me, saying, Unto thy seed will I give this land. He shall send his angel before thee, and thou shalt take a wife unto my son from thence. Now, what is this showing us? This shows us in the 24th chapter of Genesis, Abraham, which is a picture of the Most High God, right? Is a picture of the Most High God, sends what? Sends his servant. The Holy Spirit out to find a bride for his son. You see that? So the excuse me. So the the servant or Holy Spirit is responsible for identifying a good bride for the bridegroom. You see this, brothers and sisters? Do you see this? Let us show you. Let this let this come to life. In this particular text, Abraham represents the Most High. As a foreshadowing, right? He has the authority and makes a covenant with his servant and tells his servant, this is what I'm looking for. Don't you dare bring this type of woman to my son. Okay? Let us show you how that links with the Holy Spirit. Let's go to Revelations 22 and 17. See? Take a look at this. Revelations 22 and 17. Last chapter in the book. Revelation 22 and 17. And the spirit and the bride say. And the what? And the spirit and the bride say. The first verse is showing us the relationship between the Holy Spirit and the bride of Christ. See that? And the Holy Spirit and the bride say, come. And let him that heareth say, come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. The first thing we notice is that the bride is listening to the voice of the Spirit. You see that? It says the Spirit and the bride say. The Spirit is in leadership here. Can you read that again, brother? Verse 17. And the Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let him that heareth say, Come, and let him that a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. So the bride speaks what the Holy Spirit is speaking. 
When the Spirit says come, the bride is proclaiming that exact message. Are you seeing that, brothers and sisters? So the Holy Spirit will identify whom the bride of Christ is. You see that? Why? The Bible tells you the Holy Spirit puts a seal on you. See, so the Holy Spirit is out looking for those who are in preparation to be married. Those who are worthy of being married by the bridegroom. Because everyone's not worthy. That's the Holy Spirit's job. See? Just like Eleazar or the servant in Genesis 24. In fact, let's go to Luke 24. Luke 24 and 46. Luke, the 24th chapter, the 46th through the 49th verse. <clears throat> Luke 24 and 46. And said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer, and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations. Beginning at Jerusalem. Beginning at Jerusalem. This is the commission. Verse 48. And ye are witnesses of, of the, these things. And behold, I send the promise of my father upon you. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem. Stay here in Jerusalem. Until ye be endued with the power from on high. Until you receive the Holy Spirit. Do you see that? So first he gave a command. Let us look at the command again. What was the command that he gave? Um, read 46 one more time, brother. 46. And said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer, to rise from the dead the third day. Now listen, of the, look at, listen to the commission. Verse 47. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached. In his name among all nations. Listen, remission of sins, repentance first, and then remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations of people, including Gentiles. Beginning at Jerusalem. But you start with the Jews, to the Jews first, then the Gentiles. You start with Israel, right? Verse 48. And ye are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my father upon you. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem. Stay in Jerusalem. Until ye be endued with power from on high. So what is he saying? He's saying, yeah, I gave you a commission to, to teach and preach and baptize, but you're not, ready in to, you're not ready to teach until you're endued with the Holy Spirit. See that? In 47, he gave them a proper, he, he made a statement. He gave them a mission, but he said, don't leave here until you get the Holy Spirit, Okay. So before you go out and do what I said about preaching and teaching and baptizing, stay in Jerusalem until you receive the Holy Spirit. Because you, you have no business out there if you don't first have the Holy Spirit. You have no business. You're still in the first standard. You're still in the first grade. Spiritually. Now, let's go to Ecclesiasticus 4 and 11. We're almost done here, brothers and sisters. Ecclesiasticus, the fourth chapter, the 11th and 12th, excuse me, the 11th through the 13th verses. Ecclesiasticus, 4 and 11. Wisdom exalteth her children, and layeth hold of them that seek her. He that loveth her loveth life, and they that seek to, seek to her early shall be filled with joy. 
He that holdeth her fast shall inherit glory. Look at this, brothers and sisters. Look, look at this closely. And whosoever or wheresoever she entereth, the Lord will bless. Mm. Brothers and sisters, this text emphasizes the result of acquiring her. Highlighting the that withdrawal. Let, let us show you. Can you read, uh, read verse 11, brother? Verse 11. Wisdom exalteth her children, and layeth hold of them that seek her. He that loveth her loveth life. And they that seek to her early shall be filled with joy. Look at this next part. And he that holdeth her fast. He that hold her tight. Shall inherit glory. And wheresoever she entereth, the Lord will bless. So the 12th verse, brothers and sisters, excuse me, the 13th verse highlights that withdrawal is also a possibility. He that holdeth her fast. See that? So we must be conscious of her tendency to abandon. See, and this is what happens. Men, when they find a woman, then they stop doing the same things that they was doing to get that woman. Because they just feel like, well, I got her now. I don't need to do all that other stuff. See, it's the same exact way. You get the Holy Spirit and you think you have a monopoly on her now. She will never leave. It's the same exact same exact mistakes we make in our personal relationships. She said, don't take me for granted. Because you're going to look up and be alone. Let's go to Wisdom of Solomon 6. We just wanted to show you that she has a tendency to get loose and leave. She has a tendency to leave. Wisdom of Solomon 6 and 16. Wisdom of Solomon 6 and 16. This is what you need to know about her up front. For she goeth about seeking such as are worthy of her. Seeking what? Such as are worthy of her. So right off the bat, she's telling you, you better come correct. She showeth herself favorably unto them in the ways and meeteth them in every thought. For the very true meaning of her is the desire of discipline. The very can you read that one more time, brother? Verse seventeen. For the very true beginning of her is the desire of discipline. What is it, brother? The desire of discipline. What is it, brother? The desire of discipline. To even get introduced to her, you must have the power of self restraint. <laughs> he said, "Well, listen. The beginning of her is desire to be disciplined." If you don't desire to be disciplined, we have nothing to talk about here. See, I don't like loose men. <laughs> That's what she said. I don't like loose, you know, loose believers, okay? Male or female, right? For the very true beginning of her is the desire of discipline. And the care of discipline is love. And love is the keeping of her laws. And giving heed unto her laws is the assurance of... Of incorruption. So listen, she's saying right off the bat, if you don't have self-restraint, you'll never even get to meet me. Why? Because an undisciplined person is a person who can't be trusted. Is what the Holy Spirit is telling us. She's not a fan of loose living. See? Read 18, brother, please. Verse 18. And the love of keeping and the and the love is the keeping of her laws. 
and the giving heed unto her laws is the assurance of incorruption. So she's saying there's something attractive about those who choose to live their lives with discipline. See? Verse 19. And incorruption maketh us, ne <clears throat> us near unto God. Look at that. And incorruption maketh us near unto God. You see that, brothers and sisters? Verse 20. Therefore, the desire of wisdom bringeth to a kingdom. Look at that. The desire of her bringeth to a kingdom. See, we're just showing you about the Holy Spirit. You need to go learn about her. Because everything, the little bit that we did learn was a lie. Let's go to Ecclesiasticus. The fourth chapter, the 17th verse. We have about two scriptures left after this. Ecclesiasticus 4 and 17. For at the first she will walk with thee by the crooked ways, and bring fear and dread upon him, and torment him with her discipline. It's the Holy Spirit. Until she may trust his soul. Until what? Until she may trust his soul, and try him by her laws. Right. Then will she return the straight way unto him, and comfort him, and show him her secrets. But if he go wrong... But if... He go wrong, she will forsake him. What will she do? Forsake him and give him over to his own ruin. Look at that. Get the Holy Spirit here. She's saying right off the bat, if I don't see growth, I'm out. See? A lack of growth will be rewarded with separation. Now, this is the same exact way sisters are today. If you're not growing spiritually or, or some other way from year to year, women hate stagnation, brothers and sisters. They hate to be stagnated. Where do you think they get? They're made in the image of the Holy Spirit. Let's read it again. Uh, let's start at 17, brother. Verse 17. For at the first you will walk by him in crooked ways. So initially she'll walk while you're still trying to get it together. And bring fear and dread upon him. And torment him with her discipline. She will discipline you, right? And she may trust his soul. So she's telling you she has to discipline you before she can trust you. See? And try him by her laws. Then will she return the straight way unto him. And comfort him. And show him her secrets. But if he go wrong, she will forsake him. And give him over to his own ruin. See? So she's telling you stagnation and underdevelopment is unacceptable. We're seeing it that her relationship with us is conditional. The text emphasizes her, her unwillingness to stay in an unsatisfactory union. See? Sin always has consequences in our relationship with the Most High. Read verse 19. What were the consequences? But if he go wrong, she will forsake him and give him over to his own ruin. See? You see that, brothers and sisters? This is all about the Holy Spirit. She's written up all throughout the manuscript, especially in the Apocrypha. This is why they had to take this out, brothers and sisters. This is why they had to take this out. Brothers and sisters, follow us to Wisdom of Solomon 1 and 4. Wisdom of Solomon 1 and 4. We'll read 4 and 5, brothers and sisters. Wisdom of Solomon 1, verse 4. 
For into a malicious soul wisdom shall not enter, nor dwell in the body that is subject unto sin. Read that again, brother. For into a malicious soul wisdom shall not enter. Into a malicious soul she will not enter. Nor dwell in the body that is subject unto sin. She won't deal with a person dealing with sin. Verse 5. For the Holy Spirit of discipline will flee deceit and remove from thoughts that are without understanding. Mm. It will not abide when unrighteousness come in. That's crystal clear. You see that? Residence in a non-compliant sinner would be unmerited. She's telling you a liar or a body subject to sin, a body that continues to sin, I will flee. Let's read it one more time. Verse 4. For into a malicious soul, wisdom shall not enter, nor dwell in the body that is subject unto sin. Look at that, brothers and sisters. Not Will not dwell in a body subject to sin. For the Holy Spirit of discipline will flee deceit. She'll flee a liar. And remove from thoughts that are without understanding. So people who are doing all types of thoughts, you know, you know, evil thoughts, thoughts that are are not about the Most High God. They don't even have to be evil. They could just be, you know, not diligent according to the Most High God, not thinking of the Most High God, right? Just being just wide open, letting all types of thoughts come into your mind. And will not abide when unrighteousness come in. When unrighteousness come in, she gets out of there. You see that, brothers and sisters? See that? She has a standard. And she just broke down that standard here. So it was it was clear to us that the Bible was saying that once you get a hold of her, hold her down. That is it that implies that she will get loose. Now we're seeing it here. See, many people think they get the Holy Spirit and it's locked down forever. But she's telling you clearly, let's read it again. Verse four. For into a malicious soul wisdom shall not enter, nor dwell in the body that is subject unto sin. For the Holy Spirit of discipline will flee deceit and remove from thoughts that are without wisdom or understanding. See that? And will not abide when unrighteousness come in. And will not abide when unrighteousness comes in, brothers and sisters. You see that? So he's telling you, if you don't, she's telling you, if you don't get right you won't be able to hold me it's just like a sister if a sister don't see growth right if a sister's seeing the same thing over and over and over she's gonna get up out of there why because the women were made for dominion just like the man was see she understands that he gave dominion to him and her she still has that in her she still has that so when she starts to see that that's in jeopardy, what does she do? She takes over. Now she becomes more dominant. Now she's steamrolling the man. Why? Because the man is not leading. He's not moving. You can't move. Excuse me. You can't lead unless you're actually moving. Anything else is just standing. You see that, brothers and sisters? The title of today's lesson was Easily Forgotten. Easily Forgotten, brothers and sisters. We went into a plethora of scriptures concerning who? 
the Holy Spirit. We learned that according to the Bible, according to Christ, it's a feminine spirit. All throughout Proverbs, all throughout Luke, all throughout Wisdom of Solomon, all throughout Ecclesiasticus, there's only one place in the entire manuscript that refers to her as a hymn, and that's in John. And guess what? On a scholarly level, we pulled up the dictionary and looked at that word, and it didn't say him or he at all. So, brothers and sisters, a lot of information came out today regarding who? The Holy Spirit, which is a third of the Godhead. A third of the Godhead. The, the, the neglected part of the Godhead. Today, I believe the Most High is happy that we shed light on something that's been so far forgotten, brothers and sisters. Internalize this information, brothers and sisters. Apply this information. Okay? You didn't just get this for no reason. You need the Holy Spirit in order to survive. Remember, the Spirit gives life. But the whole deal is, if you start dealing with sin and all that, she will get loose. She will get up out of there. See this? This is very important that we understand it's a feminine spirit. Sisters also. See that? Brothers and sisters, internalize this. Apply this. We want to say, Kwam Yasharala. Kwam Yasharala. Sin no more. Sin no more.